This episode of Radio Techers is brought to you in part by Trip Surfer Vacations. Travel is opening up again, and we know you're ready to go. Trip Surfer Vacations has great all-inclusive packages for your next beach vacation and all the info you need to know about your next trip. So whether you're headed to the Cancun, Cozumel, Cabo, or the Caribbean, Trip Surfer Vacations has you guys covered. We even have partnerships for European adventures as well. So we know you're ready to go. Visit TripSurferVacations.com and let them know that Radio Techers sent you. Y'all have fun out there. This episode of Radio Techers is brought to you in part by Trip Surfer Vacations. Travel is opening up again, and we know you're ready to go. Trip Surfer Vacations has great all-inclusive packages for your next beach vacation and all the info you need to know about your next trip. So whether you're headed to the Cancun, Cozumel, Cabo, or the Caribbean, Trip Surfer Vacations has you guys covered. We even have partnerships for European adventures as well. So we know you're ready to go. Visit TripSurferVacations.com and let them know that Radio Techers sent you. Y'all have fun out there. This episode of Headlock Talk is brought to you by... Austin-based company Naturally Hemp's and their new line of CBD gummies. These gummies are made with 100% baked-in, pharmaceutical-grade, non-isolate-based CBD. What we're talking about here is the entourage effect. The entourage effect refers to the stronger effect you get when combining multiple cannabinoids together as opposed to just CBD. Full-spectrum CBD or CBD distillate tends to be more potent and last longer, which is what we're talking about here. Unlike some other brands that use a spray-on CBD, Naturally Hemp CBD distillate is baked in so you know you're getting the full dose with each gummy. I personally use them for all kinds of things like sleep aid or muscle pain. And did I mention they taste great? They got five flavors, uh, strawberry, green apple, lemon lime, watermelon, and get this, the orange flavor has vitamin C in it. So if this sounds like something you could go for, head over to your nearest Creative Sig vape shop and pick yours up today to see for yourself the difference Naturally Hemp's gummies can make in your life. On this week's episode of Headlock Talk Presents Wrestling Lore, we're taking a look at one of wrestling's most historic and perhaps most influential wrestlers of all time. Yes, the eighth wonder of the world, Andre the Giant. Alrighty, what is up everybody? Welcome back to yet another episode of Headlock Talk. Uh, we are continuing our wrestling lore series here today. Wrestling lore here uh, with my good buddy and, and friend, longtime friend of the show, Mike Charlotte. Mike, how are you doing today? I am doing well, Tanner. Happy to be here. Awesome, man. Well, I'm happy you're here as well because we got a lot to get into and, um, you know, this episode in particular it's it's a little bit odd to me man i'll be honest with you because we're, we're going to be talking about a guy who's obviously like his impact on wrestling is um ginormous uh it's, 
pun intended. Uh, he has an, an enormous uh, impact on on the wrestling business in general. But we we hardly ever talked about him here on the show, you know. Um, uh-huh. So um, we of course are talking about uh, the one, the only, uh, the eighth wonder of the world, Andre the Giant. Um, Mike, when I say Andre the Giant, when when I talk about Andre the Giant, or when anybody brings up Andre the Giant, I mean, what do you first think of? Well, essentially, he is the first giant of wrestling, like, literally. Mm. Like, you always, like, everybody everybody who's over seven feet tall or, or, you know, almost seven feet tall is compared to him. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, especially guys like, like Big Show. I mean, when Big Show first came in, WCW said that he was his son, mm-hmm. so obviously <laughs> that being a lie. But, uh, but yeah, like he he was just he he made wrestling for giants essentially. He is the reason why giants are so heavily uh, touted in wrestling. I guess mm-hmm. there there wouldn't be a big show without Andre the Giant. Yeah, I mean, there wouldn't be, I mean, you could look at Big Show, you could even look at guys, maybe even smaller type guys like um, Braun Strowman, for example, who is uh, just an overall very large man. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, you could look at, I mean, even guys that are just on the taller side, like your your Kevin Nash, for example, right? Like yeah. those kind of guys, um, you know, obviously they he have basically a, revolutionized the style of those people. The big man wrestler, the Undertakers, yeah. the Canes, yeah. the yeah, and then uh, those people kind of made it their own. But yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I and I mean, and and this is in no way intended to be a, a slight towards Andre or his legacy or whatever. But there is, um, in my mind, because of what when Andre came into the business around the um, the mid sixties. You know, that was kind of mm, wrestling was not like widely exposed on television and these kind of things. It was still very much a town to town territory kind of thing, even. Yeah, I mean, not just even here, but like in Canada and France and, you know, just Europe in general. Um, it, It kind of still had that that oddity aspect, that carnival aspect. Hey, come see. Andre the Giant, right? And and mm-hmm. you would see him walk through the curtain and it would be just, just people stunned in amazement of how large he actually was. And that's kind of how he was treated throughout like the early part of his career. He was an attraction. He was that that was in in a sense like certain shows even if they were even if they weren't like primarily wrestling shows, you mm-hmm. went to see him because of how large he was i mean like he was over seven feet tall he was like seven three Mm -hmm. and that was something you didn't see back then yeah ever ever yeah Yeah, very very much so um let's let's get into his life a little bit and we'll talk about his career uh, Andre Rene Ruzimov was born obviously on uh, 19, uh, the 19th of May, 1946, uh, son of uh, immigrants from uh, Bulgaria as well as Poland. Um, he, he did have two other siblings. Um, he, it, it was, 
noted, uh, or rather reported, I'm not sure if this is exaggerated or not, that he weighed 13 pounds when he was born as a child, um, and that he did display symptoms of uh, gigantism uh, fairly early in life. Um, he basically, um, the root of that being, uh, if, if I'm not mistaken, I've got the, the note here somewhere. I'm trying to find the, uh, the actual term for it. Uh, acromegaly, I believe is the, the, the proper term. Acromeglia or something like that. I, I believe that's, yeah. Mm, acromeglia. That, that sounds a lot, a lot more, uh, medically accurate. Um, <laughs> uh, basically what that is, is it's a, it's a pituitary gland disorder that, um, uh, increases i guess hormones like growth hormones in the body um Mm -hmm. so you just continuously grow um that and that's actually um something that uh big show had to be treated for not that long ago uh he still had that and he had a surgery to have that i I believe removed or corrected uh yeah well there is a corrective surgery for that that they that they actually discovered early on because i believe big show got it in the 90s Mm. and um Andre was kind of against that surgery because he thought that it would ruin his mystique. Mm-hmm. Um I guess he thought that maybe like he maybe he didn't expect to be around as long as he was. And he thought that, you know, he'll be around as long as he is and he will keep the mystique of being that giant. But at the same time, when Big Show got the surgery, he was mid twenties. And he always looked giant, mm-hmm. no matter what. Mm-hmm. I mean, at certain points, obviously, he got bulkier. But mm. Andre, I think if Andre would have gotten the surgery, and obviously we'll talk about this later on, he probably would have lived a lot longer than he actually did. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Uh, I, I would say that that's, a, that's definite for sure. Um, so... He he, I believe he he quit school around the age of fourteen to begin working. Um, uh, he I believe mostly manual labor on on the on uh, his family's farm. Uh, he did some apprenticing as a, as a woodworker. Um, you know, I mean, he was obviously a very big kid from what from yeah. what I'm understanding. So yeah, th- those kind of things make sense. Um, but. He he moved to Paris at the age of eighteen, uh, and uh, began training as a professional wrestler uh, b- uh, from a from a local promoter, who obviously recognized how <laughs> big Andre was, um, and and he started competing, um, you know, in France and then and then the UK. Um, he would also make his debut in Japan in nineteen seventy. Uh, uh, being billed as Monster Rusimov. Uh, um, so he would be wrestling as both a, a singles competitor as well as a tag team wrestler uh, at that time. And uh, in Japan, of course, it, he's also very well uh, remarked and famed as he is here in the States. Uh, I mean, they he, he has a lot of the same... Um, uh, I guess the memories of Andre are cherished very much the same in, in both countries, from my understanding. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's a... I, I I think even you know going back you could say that he is he was probably the first or mm-hmm. one of, one of the first like worldwide known wrestlers mm-hmm. like 
if you you knew even if you didn't know about wrestling in that time obviously way before way before our time but mm-hmm. if you knew about him or you knew anything if you knew nothing about wrestling you still knew who Andre the Giant was oh yeah absolutely um you know i mean he was just like a a widely reported character like i i, I like he's a cult- cultural icon of that time right i mean well, yeah before... and you'll hear you'll hear stories and you know like the documentaries and everything and everybody will say the same thing like oh there was this giant man 7 foot 3 whatever he was at this at this wrestling event and i've never seen anybody his size move the way he could like Mm. That was that was the mystique of him, especially early on in his career in the seventies. Mm. <laughs> um, he he did move, of course, to Montreal, uh, Canada, in uh, nineteen seventy one, and um, uh, had a lot of success. But a lot of the same kind of problems were were cropping up at the time. Um, a lot of promoters in Europe, Canada, Japan. They would run out of opponents for Andre to face because you know his you know I guess they in their minds they thought there was only so much that you could do or so many people that you could put against the giant that would be like a billable card you know what mm-hmm. I mean yeah and that's kind of why he was uh, even when when he was under contract later on in life still going to other promotions mm-hmm. because. They also didn't want to ruin the mystique of him by having him essentially beat everybody and then having nobody for him to face when he came back. Mm. Um, And this is around the time also when um, Andre's relationship actually began with the then WWF with uh, Vince McMahon Sr., Mm -hmm. um, who... I guess through some by channels, some byway channels, um, they were able to, you know, kind of help book and promote Andre in a particular way. Um, Andre, for his size at the time, was actually quite agile. Um, yeah. you, you might be able to see some old clips of him doing drop kicks, for example, which is something that you would, I mean, I think I've only seen the big show do a handful of drop kicks in, in, in my life. Yeah, um, but uh, McMahon Senior, I guess, wanted Andre, uh, from my understanding, to do more um, strength-based moves—moves moves that you would associate a giant with. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so um, you know, he he definitely helped, I guess, guide Andre's career from that point going forward, and it also made it a little bit more difficult hand in hand for other promoters. Because they would have to promote Andre or, or guarantee Andre rather uh, his pay, the going rate for him, as well as um, a, a booking fee uh, for, for for Vince McMahon, yeah. <laughs> Vince McMahon Senior rather. Yeah. Um, and so. I think also it this was I think also like the early stages of like tropes in wrestling because mm. like like you said like. They, you want to book Andre as this immovable, immovable object essentially as he was built mm. later, and like having a guy like him do drop kicks and stuff. I, I think he really only did in Japan because in Japan they didn't have those kind of guidelines. Like they're just like do whatever you you know do whatever. Mm-hmm. But in WWE, 
WF or WWF, essentially, and in later years, it would always be like, you're a giant. I don't want to see you selling for this person. Mm. I don't want to see you take, I don't want to see you take this move. Or, you know, and obviously that became a thing, a big thing in the 90s with with Big Show. Mm-hmm. Because in his early career, he was selling for everybody. And Hulk Hogan was like, what are you doing? <laughs> you're, you're, like, you're not supposed to do that. Like, so yeah, that I think Andre... You're more like Andre, brother. <laughs> yeah. And, Andre set the, you know kind of set it in stone, I guess, for how giants are supposed to work. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, so Andre, in about 1973, made his debut for WWF, and this actually began the famed undefeated run of Andre, right? He he would work in WWF, uh, WWF, he would work in other promotions, he would still go to Japan, um, but all the while, he was not only just like you know uh, the the biggest baby face in, in the company, uh, but for a large part of it, he was just literally unbeatable. Right? Yeah. Um, there there are famous stories of um, him with Hogan very early on, well before the WrestleMania three match, where. Yeah the roles were reversed. Andre was the baby face and Hogan's the, the brash heel, you know, yep. the up and comer. Mm. And that's the, I mean, that's another, another WWE trope, you know, writing their own history. Mm. Like, Oh, this is the first time this has ever happened. When <laughs> everybody who was a wrestling fan of that time, probably mm. knew of them wrestling at Chase stadium. in I think like late seventies, Mm. Or I think it was it might have been like eighty eighty one or something, but it was like that was that was a well known match, mm-hmm. and you know WWE likes to write their own history. Like, and I'm sure that I mean maybe we're not aware of. <clears throat> uh, they said Andre was undefeated for fifteen plus years or whatever, but I'm sure that there is recorded losses in there somewhere that they are just ignoring (laughs) well i'm sure and i mean you know there's instances you know in japan and in mexico i'm sure as well where maybe he he had a loss uh somewhere in in the 70s or 80s yeah um one one interesting uh thing of note here uh andre did compete actually in the uh card uh, where Muhammad Ali faced Antonio Inoki. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, that's been covered, um, you know, that that extensively. Uh, Antonio Inoki and Muhammad Ali. That's kind of been like the um, the the focal point, the epicenter, maybe the starting, the jumping off point of MMA's launch um, uh-huh. because it's, uh, because it's two uh, disciplines, I guess you would say, wrestling and boxing. Yeah. Um, but Andre the Giant was actually also on that card, uh, facing a a professional boxer, uh, and he actually picked up the win. I believe the boxer's name was Chuck Wepner. Mm-hmm. Um, he he um, he threw Wepner actually over the top rope and uh, won via countout. Uh, <laughs> so you might be able yeah. to find some footage out there on the web somewhere. And, 
I believe there was like right like literally like either right before or right after that happened, there was like a showdown between Muhammad Ali and Andre the Giant in the ring, mm-hmm. but not during a match or something. Mm-hmm. Oh no, I maybe I'm thinking of Gorilla Monsoon. Probably. Yeah. I'm thinking I think I'm thinking of Gorilla Monsoon. But I think there might have probably been plans for Muhammad Ali to do something in WWF or WWF mm-hmm. and I think that they were unable to uh, get that to work out mm-hmm. uh, uh, for obvious reasons. Um, and that's why the Inoki match happened. Mm. Um, it, this may be from... So I'm looking at a photo, actually, now that you've brought that up. And, and this is actually a, quite a famous photo of... Um, this and again, I'm not sure of what the origin is. It could have been from that 1976 card or promotional material, whatever it might be. Um, uh, but uh, there is a, a very famous photo of Andre uh, in you know uh, in, in a nice uh, you know it uh, looks like a suit jacket of some sort, <laughs> a suit uh-huh. jacket, uh, standing with Muhammad Ali. Um, and Andre has his hand fully opened and Muhammad Ali's comparing his hand size, putting his hand up against Andre's and he's just remarking, you know, at at the the size of Andre's hand, um, just because it's just so massive. Um, let's, let's, let's get a, a few other fun facts here about Andre, uh, the, the giant and his, uh, his, his size here. Um, so Andre famously had a uh, size 22 shoe, uh, which is enormous. Yep. It's a, it's a big shoe. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, even I, I don't even think I did Shaq beat that Shaq way to beat that Shaq. Uh, I don't know. Foot size. Yeah. I don't know. Let's uh let's let's check this out. Shaquille O'Neal shoe shot uh, shoe size. Yes, Shaquille O'Neal has a size twenty three shoe. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I I knew obviously it was close. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I was I was thinking about that earlier actually, thinking about this. <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, is that right? Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm seeing between 22 and 23. So, I mean, it, yeah, it, it was close. I mean, you you always hear like them. Mm-hmm. I mean, just like how they kind of uh, over, uh, you know, they they tell you the a build weight and an actual weight. I think sometimes they probably mm-hmm. do the same thing with shoe size. Perhaps um, so. <laughs> I mean, because didn't for a while they say like that Big Show is like a 20. Three triple E or something or something along those lines. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Um, there is also a very famous photo of uh, Andre the Giant. Um, I think this was from Sports Illustrated, uh, where you know, uh, again, hand comparison size. Um, I mean, if you've ever held a, a twelve ounce can of Coke or a twelve ounce can of beer, whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, you can have a relative uh, size comparison there. There's a very famous photo of him holding a 12 ounce can of beer in his hand, and it looks like one of those those mini cans that you can buy at the store. Um, so, I mean, fi- find that picture as well, folks, when you get the chance. Um, Andre 
obviously his size um, made him very popular and it helped make him a lot of money, uh, but it also made his life pretty difficult too. Um, he's he's famed as, as saying that uh, they don't build anything uh, for for a giant, uh, which I mean, yeah, that makes makes perfect sense. Um, there's uh, stories about how he needed to travel with a pencil in order to dial a telephone, and make phone calls to people. Um, mm-hmm. He he did regularly travel, um, but if he was on an airplane, he could not use the lavatory. He instead had to, you know, have a a, a bucket uh, with yeah. him, um, which I mean, that's obviously got to be embarrassing. Uh, yeah, they they would put like giant curtains, like they would bring curtains on the on the flights and like put them around him, mm-hmm. so that obviously they didn't like have to see it happening. <laughs> Yeah, Um, (laughs) which is important. I think that's very important. Um, But yeah, like a lot of that stuff, and like you've seen like the documentaries and everything, and like like at his house, like he had like this chair that Mm. was like four times the size of any chair you've ever seen ever. More more reminiscent of a couch or a love seat, perhaps. Yeah, but but it was a chair. It was like. It, that it was it was for him and him alone like stuff like that like and he dealt, obviously dealt with that his entire life and um yeah it, it was not a fun time i guess for him mm-hmm. um he he's also very famous for um uh his his um how do I try and put this politely? Uh, his his drinking exploits. His, his, mm-hmm. his you know he um, he could definitely handle his booze. Uh, there are numerous uh, stories and accounts of him drinking well over a hundred big uh, hundred uh, bottles or cans of beer in in a sitting. Uh, Twenty bottles of wine in one sitting. Yep. Um, uh, there was a. Um, uh, uh, there's a couple famous stories involving that where uh, on the set of Princess Bride, uh, where he 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 is, of course uh, was was starring in the Princess Bride, he he drank to the extent where he had, may have accidentally fell on somebody uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> during during filming, um, but also that um, uh, one, one famous uh, urban we'll call it an urban legend because I've I've heard this countless times. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if anybody's verified this um, to the full extent, at least medically. Uh, but uh, when he was having, I believe it may have been a spinal surgery late in his career, uh, that uh, they used his alcohol tolerance as a metric for how they should give him his anesthesia. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that's accurate. I think that might have been uh, confirmed on... Bruce Bruce Pritchard's podcast. I could be mm. wrong, uh, but yeah, I, I do remember hearing that. Wow, that's that's pretty amazing. Yeah, uh, yeah. He it, it's a uh, he lived quite a life. Um, obviously, he yeah. he had to take take a lot of the good with the bad um, because of his size. Obviously, there's a lot of people who'd want to take advantage of who he was and his fame and this, that, and the other. Yeah, and that also, like, played into, like, he was not really friends with any of the other wrestlers who were considered 
Giants. Mm-hmm. Uh, he famously like hated Big John Stud, and Big John Stud was afraid of him. Um, <laughs> and like any other giant that really came through, like, but he also like there was other wrestlers like that weren't even giants that he just I guess didn't wasn't a fan of. He never liked uh, Randy Savage for some reason. Mm. Um, I don't know why. And I think that also, like, a lot of that played into, like, whether he was going to do certain things in the ring and stuff like that. And, um, but yeah, like, he obviously didn't, he had his, like everybody does, had his tight-knit of friends, I guess, and didn't care to make newer ones. Mm. <laughs> especially with people who were also considered giants. Mm-hmm. He he did have he did have some friends. Um I do yeah. rec- I do recall a yeah. um um what was it? it was, I think it was a Joe Rogan podcast where Jake the Snake Roberts actually was the guest mm-hmm. on that particular episode and he was talking about how he used to be Andre the Giant's chauffeur uh <laughs> at, at at one time. Yeah, uh, which is uh, crazy to believe. Um, so there, there were definitely people that Andre trusted, but it, that was a very small, tight knit circle for him. Right? Oh yeah, like like referee uh, Tim White was his handler for mm. e- for like ever, mm-hmm. and um, a lot of times he was kind of the guy that was like second. Andre was almost kind of like a godfather in in wrestling, like because. A lot of times, like people, he just didn't want to deal with certain people. I think, and he would kind of just have other people do it for him, mm-hmm. like like Tim White, uh, who uh, has said a lot of th- you know done a lot of interviews about that stuff and talks about how he had a blast with Andre and yeah. Um, I don't think he was a a big fan of of Hulk Hogan either. Mm. to an extent but i think they became friends later mm-hmm. but yeah there were there was a bunch of stories like that well and that kind of gets to and i know it, you know everybody that we're going to be kind of skipping around a lot here uh, yeah. on andre's career uh, just because there's just so much to cover yeah um, but, i mean there's there's some bigger things than others but yeah right um WrestleMania one, obviously being one of those things that we can jump right into. Um, they did have, um, a, a big match held between the, uh, Andre, the giant and, um, big John stud, uh, yeah. where it was a, a, a body slam challenge. Uh, winner yep. got $15,000, uh, in, in mm-hmm. prizes. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, Andre, the giant, Slammed Big John Stud at WrestleMania One, won that cash prize, and uh, obviously they were building that as like, oh, nobody's ever slammed Big John Stud before, but mm-hmm. but on TV, I'm sure it had happened before, but on TV, nobody had ever slammed Andre either. Mm-hmm. So at the time, um, so but yeah, and that also like as I was saying earlier, kind of played into their their backstage. Uh, "Quote unquote uh, friendship, if you can even call it that, because yeah. Andre was not a fan. <laughs> um, it, it in uh, later 
um, I guess later on throughout 19, I think it would be about 1985. Um, you know, there is a pretty famous picture of a tag team match that happened at Madison Square Garden of Andre. He's in the ring uh, with uh, Big John Studd and King Kong Bundy with mm-hmm. uh, his tag team partner being Hillbilly Jim. Uh, so that's uh, four very large men uh, in one that's... ring at, at a time. <laughs> That's got to be close to two thousand pounds in one ring. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a that's a ton of wrestler uh, in, yeah. a, in a literal sense. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's pretty pretty up there. Um, WrestleMania two, uh, Andre uh, was part of a, I, I believe it was like um, it was an NFL slash wrestlers cross battle royal. Hmm. Okay. And uh, uh, I, I believe he won. If I'm not mistaken, yeah. He, uh, no, he, uh, I think well, didn't William Perry win that one? Uh, so I'm looking at here. Andre uh, eliminated Bret Hart to win the WWF versus NFL Battle Royal. Oh, uh, okay. I could have sworn so, William Perry was the winner. Hmm. Maybe he just had a strong performance. Yeah, maybe he just looked really good. You know, yeah. I mean, he, he talk about a guy who would really work well in WWF at the time. Yeah, I mean they put him in the Hall of Fame. So yeah, there you go, the fridge. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> uh, let's see. Now around uh, 1985, uh, 1986 rather, he was also filming The Princess Bride, which is another big part of Andre's legacy. Princess Bride being one of the most adored movies um, out there. If you were growing up, you know, in the you know, late 80s, mid to late 80s, early 90s. It's it's a classic. Um, Andre has a big part in the movie. Uh, so if you haven't checked it out, Andre's in it. It's pretty great. So, you know, make sure. Yeah, make and there's, um, I mean, again, like going back, the, the HBO documentary that came out uh, like mm. three years ago, mm-hmm. they, they did some interviews with uh, Rob Reiner, who was the director, um, Robin Wright was, you know, the princess in that movie and everything. And they talked about how around this time is when things for him, like mobility and stuff, really was becoming an issue. Um, Because there's that famous scene in the movie where he catches Robin Wright, Mm -hmm. you know, in his arms. And they had to use a harness um, because they were afraid that he was going to like fall down or something because of how much he was having trouble like standing up and stuff. Mm. So they actually used a harness and made it look like she was thrown into his arms and she was really just lowered into his arms. Mm. Yeah, I mean, well, if and if you look at pictures of him at the time, like he he had put on a lot of weight. He was very, yeah. very big. He'd been carrying around a lot of weight for a long time. Yeah. Um he's obviously much bigger than most people. Mm-hmm. He he had the, the the acromegaly, right? Yeah. Um and as a pro wrestler, you're you're bumping and taking moves and getting knocked around all the time. Um I mean, it's that's a rough life that that you put all into one place and he was already getting uh, a, a little bit past his 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 prime. You know, at, at you know, as of the, the time of shooting a, a Princess Bride, um, so yeah, it must have been extremely difficult for him uh, having to having to go through all of that. Um, yeah, 
Yeah, it was it was definitely like the beginning of uh him having a hard time all the time. Yeah. All yeah. the time. This brings us to the famed uh rivalry build up. You know, the 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 thing that WWE slash WWF has built nearly all of its legacy on. And that is the feud at WrestleMania three, Andre the Giant and Hulk Hogan, arguably the two biggest stars in wrestling of all time at the time. Um, basically what happened is uh, Andre the Giant and Hulk Hogan both were friends, friendly, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they, they appeared on an episode of Piper's Pit. Hogan was presented a very large trophy for being uh, WWF world champion for three years. Yep. And uh, as Andre the Giant, um, you know, congratulated him, uh, Piper also awarded Andre a um, a smaller trophy um, for <laughs> for for being the only undefeated wrestler in wrestling history, which. Um, Again, as we noted, may or may not necessarily be entirely true, um, but uh, at least they were saying that he had never had a pinfall or submission victory counted or a pinfall or submission loss uh, against him in a WWF ring. Um, yeah. Hogan was congratulating him, and Andre, uh, obviously seeing this smaller uh, trophy, um, it, which could be a metaphor for a lot of things. Um, He, he, he he, um, ripped Hogan's shirt and um, he challenged him uh, to a match at uh, WrestleMania three. And if you can go back and check out that segment, it's, it's actually a lot of fun. It's very eighties. Not only that, there's a small detail that actually wasn't even supposed to happen, but it actually helped, helped the story. Go right Uh, ahead. He also ripped the cross off of Hogan's neck. Oh, yes. He was wearing a wearing a gold cross like he does all the time. And he <laughs> and he ripped that too and actually caused Hogan to bleed mm. in the chest because he ripped the the chain. Mm. And that wasn't supposed to happen in detail that it actually helped tell the story. Well yeah, because I mean if you look at it, Hogan is uh, at this time this invincible figure, right? Yeah, uh, you know, oh, he made Hogan bleed slightly. Like that's actually yeah. a pretty big deal. Uh, yeah. So um, you know, Heenan, uh, Bobby the Brain Heenan was with um, uh, Andre here. He was accusing Hogan of you know, um, just being his friend. So he wouldn't have to have the title against him. Um, and yeah, it was just, um, (laughs) it it was, it's just a really great segment. If you can catch it, definitely recommend it. Um, as of the time of WrestleMania three, Andre was probably between, being billed at between about 500 to about 520 up even i've even read notes of maybe even being upwards of 550 uh pounds mm-hmm. um this is obviously a lot of weight to carry on your person 
Um, it just yeah. like you know, the the human body's just truly not built uh, to carry that much weight. Um, but uh, obviously, there's um, he was in an immense amount of pain, and because of that, there is. Um, stories that Hogan has told himself where he was very uneasy the day of the match um, you yeah. know, for WrestleMania 3, that he wasn't sure if Andre was actually going to put him over, Mike. Yes, uh, and that was also like reiterated in that Andre uh, HBO documentary um, where they talked about how like Hogan was a nervous wreck throughout the day before and the day of and Andre was just telling him like relax like like and, and like not really giving anything away like I'll do the you know like and people telling him like oh Andre will do the right thing Andre will do the right thing whatever mm-hmm. the right thing is to Andre mm-hmm. that and that was Hogan's concern of course then the match happens right um and obviously WWF lore is um, it's it means a lot to them. They they mm-hmm. take it very very seriously. You even see the the moment in their opening to Raw and SmackDown. Um, yeah, uh, the, 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 the signature gold, the signature package. Yes, thank you. Yeah. Um, of Hogan slamming Andre. Um, the match itself is um, it's it's fine. It's it's. Not a good match. It's 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 okay. Maybe no, it's not. It, it's it's not a good match. <laughs> Mike from, says it's not a good match. Okay, folks. <laughs> from 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 a wrestling standpoint, and everybody knows this. Like, mm-hmm. it's not a good wrestling match. Mm-hmm. It's it's a spectacle, and that's what it was supposed mm-hmm. to be. Mm-hmm. It was a, it was at the time the the largest crowd ever built upon the biggest match ever. And it, that was because these two characters, Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant, figuratively and literally are the two biggest names in wrestling. Mm-hmm. And whatever you want to believe, at the time, Andre hadn't lost in 15 years. And he, Hogan was on this giant run from 84 to now. Mm-hmm. And it, it this is their quote-unquote first ever giant meeting and of course it's being billed as the biggest spectacle in the history of wrestling Mm -hmm. but as a wrestling match it is not good yeah i mean it's it's it it is um it is far more known for the moment um you know hogan attempts multiple times in the match to uh slam andre with i think it's just a, with, with just a standard scoop slam right just pick him up slam yep. him mm-hmm. um doesn't work andre's not budging the match continues and then hogan eventually hulks up and picks up enough momentum uh to where he he picks him up uh clearly and and yep. slams them he, he he slams andre yep. uh runs does the, the the leg drop and gets the three um, and history would would be made forever <laughs> uh, after that. Um, he, he this was a this was a big moment, a crowning moment for Hulk Hogan putting uh, being put over here. Andre the Giant 
doing the job and I guess uh, giving the um, uh, giving the 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 star you know, McMahon's new star the rub on the way out. Um, Hogan would uh, Hogan would obviously retain the title here, and Andre uh, he would continue to be in WWF. Um, you know, going forward, I mean, he would have he would actually win the title. Um, mm-hmm. Later on, he would sell it to Ted DiBiase, and that's kind of where we got the WrestleMania Four uh, yeah. tournament and challenge. The, the the way they got to that whole thing was actually a very good story because they did the whole like twin referee thing, imposter mm-hmm. referee thing. Because at the time, I mean, the the Hebners were you know referees for a long time, and nobody knew that Dave Hebner, who was the first Hebner to be a referee. Mm-hmm. Uh, had a twin brother, so they used that in an angle, and that's kind of how Earl got into the business. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was that was a good storyline for the time. Obviously, again, us being from the '90s, we weren't there. Obviously, we've seen it enough yeah. times to know about it, and um, that storyline kind of uh, springboarded the Million Dollar Man. Uh, rise <laughs> to an extent. Um, yeah. Uh, despite him not being recognized as a champion. Um, but yeah, that 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 was actually a really good storyline that led to a lackluster tournament, <laughs> mm-hmm. which also began the build of Macho Man Randy Savage. Oh, for sure. Um, and and. Macho Man would ultimately win that title at WrestleMania 4. Yes, um, because Hogan and Andre would face each other again and have a, a double disqualification. So, in, yeah. in that tournament. <laughs> Crazy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, Andre uh, would also compete at WrestleMania uh Five, um, uh, which would be all, obviously the the big feud being the Mega Powers feud at the time between Hogan and Savage. Yes. Um, but um, there was also a a big feud with Jake the Snake Roberts and uh, Andre the Giant. Uh, with the, <laughs> it, it being focused on Andre's fear of snakes. Um, that was, that yes. was a big thing. Um, and this also leading to the famous Andre the Giant. Eliminating himself in the Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, fun facts about that. Um, that is recognized as an official elimination in the Royal Rumble. He eliminated himself. But, uh, a couple of years later, Randy Savage would accidentally eliminate himself. And mm-hmm. that would not count. Because it wasn't part of the story. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah, I think he just didn't. He, I, I remember is like hearing like oh, he just didn't know the rules, or like he was just like in the moment yeah. and just did it, and yeah, yeah it was just a, a big thing. Yeah, um, that was just a fun fact. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. <laughs> we're, we're we're all about the fun facts here uh, on on Headlock Talk. Um, Andre would have uh, another match at WrestleMania six. Um, where, as part of the colossal connection, him and Haku uh, would lose 
the WWF tag team titles to demolition. Yes. Um, and, and I believe that was kind of like his last, like really big thing that he did in WWF mm-hmm. at the time. Um, he would have sporadic appearances uh, yeah. going forward. There would be um, uh, like, I think there was a, um, he, I think he, there was an appearance at WrestleMania seven. Um, mm-hmm. he, he made a single appearance for the UWF, um, which was, a was, was the Herb Abrams, uh, Federation. Yes. A he, one-off appearance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one-off appearance. And that was, uh, fueled for WWE to bring him back. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then I believe he was promoted to be in the Royal Rumble that year, but he was mm-hmm. unable to uh, compete. And um, yeah, he the 91 Rumble, I believe, he was supposed to appear in the match, but he was unable to, to work mm. because of his health. Um, he, he made... I, like you said, some some appearances. He was on uh, WCW's Clash of Champion uh, Clash of Champions twenty yes. um, in nineteen ninety two, where he had a, a brief interview. He would also wrestle in All Japan and Universal Wrestling Association. So he had like a, a little uh, excursion to Japan. Um, his last ever match was him teaming with Giant Baba uh, against Rusher Kimura and. Uh, I, I'm going to struggle with this name. Um, so it's Giant Baba and Rusha Kimura to defeat uh, Haruka Egan, uh, Masanobu, Masanobu, uh, Fuki, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Motoshi, Motoshi Okuma. There you go. I struggled with that one. I'm so <laughs> sorry. So sorry. Um, but yeah, that was his last ever match. Um, again, December 4th, 1992, you can see clips of it online. It's definitely mm-hmm. available. Yep. Um, but yeah, um, that kind of summed up Andre's career. Um, he, he had a ranch that he would go to, um, out in, I believe it was North Carolina, um, that, uh, would be tended to when he was not there. Um, he obviously spent time between there and in France, um, uh, but uh, from from all that I've been uh, aware of during researching this, he he really loved being there on his ranch where he felt really free, uh, where people didn't really judge him. You know, it was just nice and secluded for him. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think he wanted. I think he knew. He he knew that the end was coming. Mm-hmm. Um. I mean this, uh, this and like the, the the prior years, ninety, ninety one, ninety two, was really like the roughest years for him as far as like moving around. And I believe he did use a wheelchair a lot during this time. Um, and yeah, he was definitely not the not the Andre that people were accustomed to in say. Mm-hmm early 80s late 70s in in the early 90s -hmm. and that would ultimately you know 1993 i believe Mm -hmm. yes 1993 
um, would, would, I guess, see the end of Andre the Giant. Andre the Giant did pass away on January 27th of 1993 uh, from congestive heart failure. He, was, uh, he actually passed away in a hotel in Paris uh, where he was discovered uh, the next morning. Um, he was also actually in Paris to attend his father's funeral as well. Um, so uh, he spent the day with his, the, his final days with his family, uh, playing card games uh, with some of his, his oldest friends. And um, he wanted to make sure uh, that, um, I guess that his, his <laughs> maybe in an odd way that his, his, his best days were, or were his final days were, were his, his best days with his family and his, his close friends. Yeah. Um, he was cremated according to his, uh, his will and Testament and his ashes were scattered at his ranch in North Carolina. Um, he, his, uh, uh entire estate, uh, was left to a sole beneficiary, um, his, his only daughter, Robin. Uh, so, you know, that's, uh, uh, that was, um, yeah, that's, that's Andre the giant, Mike, that's Andre yeah. the giant. Um, I guess, obviously there are things that Andre is going to be best known for, um, in the future and, and just uh, of all time, mm-hmm. uh, but but I mean, what what does what does Andre mean to you? And 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 I guess what is what is Andre's legacy to wrestling for you? Uh, well, as I mentioned at the top, um, he is, I believe, the quintessential giant in wrestling. There is no Big Show. There is no Braun Strowman. There is no to an to an extent Undertaker, Kane. Without Andre the Giant, the he is the reason why big men have a have a place in wrestling, and he really was the eighth wonder of the world. Mm. I that should I I believe that that was just a given title, but it should have been an official title. Mm. I mean, for sure. I mean, there's so many records that he had in wrestling like uh one obscure little fact in 1974 he was actually in the guinness book of world records as being the highest paid professional wrestler um um so um there is that i'm sure that he held that record for for many years Um, oh that's definitely changed today yeah 100 (laughs) percent um so yeah uh that that is that is andre's story um we appreciate you guys for tuning in and, and, and giving this a listen. Uh, I hope that we did Andre's legacy some justice here and that maybe this 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 show will, will give you uh, some kind of sense of uh, nostalgia to go and check out some of his uh, matches and, and career highlights. Uh, I, I got to obviously thank Mike for, for coming on and doing uh, the, the, the guest uh, spot work here today and, and being my guest host. Uh, Mike, where can people out there Find more of your content on the internet. Well, you can follow me on Twitter at MikeJC821, primarily talking about wrestling. Um, and also on uh, SLTDWrestling.com, uh, every, well, supposed to be Wednesdays, but most recently it's been Fridays, and this week it'll be a Saturday, mm. covering AEW Dynamite, where I do the weekly uh, reviews for that show. Mm-hmm. And uh, I also have my own website, MikeJCOnWrestling.com, where, you guessed it, I talk about wrestling. 
<laughs> and uh, I haven't been as active on there as I would like. Uh, I gotta start doing more, uh, more personal write-ups of things. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I'm gonna start doing more things on there. Okay. Well, cool. Soon. Yeah. Well, well, this episode's coming out in the future, so everybody be on the lookout for Mike's show uh, coming up very soon. Uh, you know, whatever you have in store. Well, I mean, I I don't know if it'll be podcast related or just more writing stuff, but either way, I would like to do a podcast. (laughs) There you go, man. I'm sure you've got tons of people out there who would love to, to, to get in podcast with you. Um, like I said, I'm glad that you were able to come on the show because you've been a big part of what headlock talk, uh, has been, and I really appreciate you for coming in and doing these shows. Obviously, Mike's going to have a lot more episodes here on this uh, little little mini run here as we go um, that, that you'll be able to check out more, more content with Mike um, and, and myself. Uh, if you're out there or listening to this podcast on Love Wrestling, we appreciate you for tuning in. And uh, make sure to uh, subscribe to Love Wrestling. Uh, the guys over there are absolutely brilliant. And uh, I really appreciate them for uh, giving me this opportunity to present uh, this last little run of Headlock Talk on their channel. Uh, this episode is obviously also available on my Headlock Talk channel. So you, wherever you're, you're listening to this, uh, make sure to um, subscribe like the episode tell your friends about headlock talk and and love wrestling and where you can find this episode uh i am of course the texas woman tanner prude and for mike charlotte y'all take care out there be safe and we'll see you again on the next episode bye-bye